I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Y'all, welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson from Toronto, Ontario. Joining me on the other line, chilling in the satellite branch from scenic Hamilton, Ontario, your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hello, everyone. Another day in paradise, Kate. Yep. I, uh, I wish I owned a hammock. A hammock? I feel like hammocks are readily available. I know, but I have really, like, the hard part, it's not my property, right? So any major things we want to do, we have to ask the landlord. The other thing is there's not really a good place to have the hammock. What about one of those freestanding hammocks that you just place in the yard? That is actually a really good idea. We're just full of good ideas, friends. This is episode 199, as are they all. It's another good idea we had. We didn't want to do episode 200, but we're, like, on the phone. On lockdown. No, ew. So we're going to save episode 200 until we can actually, like, celebrate it. So henceforth, all of our episodes will be episode 199. If you would like to listen to any of our other episodes, 199, or any of our other 199 episodes, go to wherever you get your audio content, your Spotify's, your Google Play, your Apple Podcasts, what have you. Search Geek Down Podcast, give us a follow or subscribe, and from that point on, your man... Shanti, Frostilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. Shall say Frostilicus, he's going to bring those episodes directly to your device. You don't have to do anything. We understand there's a lot going on in the world right now. You have a lot of things to pay attention to. Going out and getting a podcast every week is probably not going to be one of them. We get it. So let Chauncey do the work for you. He likes this type of work. He does. And Chauncey doesn't want a distraction from the realities of the day. He does. He's like on Elfin time. He's been here forever. He's seen it all. He needs a break from the front lines of the protest. That he do. Friends, if you would like to thank Chauncey or offer suggestions on how Caitlin can bring a hammock into her life, you can do that on any of our social medias, primarily Twitter. Get up off Twitter. We also have a Facebook, but bleh, you could look us up on there, I guess, when you're not throwing up memes to subtly challenge the worldview of your elderly relatives. Which is what it's I, good times. It's is, lots of fun. Which is what I use Facebook for. Um, <laughs> you know, Jesus supported violence as a form of protest, right? I'm just trashing that temple, <laughs> throwing the money lenders out. If you would like to support this endeavor financially, don't. There are other efforts you can support financially. Uh, shouts to everyone who, like, when I went back and double checked the refunds for this month on the Patreon. Because as we said last week, you know, it's a it's a switch I have to flip every month. And I, like, you know, in, in the month of Wednesday, I forgot what day it was. And, like, <laughs> forgot, <laughs> to, never not funny. <laughs> forgot to flip the switch. So I went and double-checked and got the remainder of people who had been charged. And, like, instantly, every person, like, Patreon must email them immediately. Because within seconds, everybody who got a refund was like, why am I getting a refund for the geek down? Which, number one, proves you don't listen to the show even though you contribute. So thank you. <laughs> Or you would have known. But yes, uh, shouts to everyone who was like, but I don't care. I appreciate that. But, you know, there's a certain, I'm a man of honor. We're a program of honor. So take that money 
if you want to part with it that badly, uh, give it to a bail fund or Black Lives Matter or any of the other organizations looking to uh, abolish the cops, basically. Ooh, rough week for that, Kate. Yeah. It's around the point. Uh, old boy took the L from the Buffalo PD that I was like, you know what? <laughs> and then when they suspended the two cops who knocked out old dude, the rest of them quit in support. Yeah. So when we say, fuck the police, this is what we're talking about. Ain't no songs called fuck the fire department. <laughs> Good old fire department. Not my joke, but, you know, I I, I retweeted that joke five years ago during the Ferguson protest. So, I mean, it's hard for me to go back and give proper, <laughs> give proper credit. Um, yeah, so... I mentioned that I was going to say something to Kate, tell Kate about something before the mics went on. Um, and I said, and I'm, oh. I'm actually very like, I've been thinking about it because I want to be like, so what? Tell me what it is. I, said, I have no idea. I said, oh shit, let me save that one for, <laughs> for the pod. Um, and around the time I posted it on Instagram, uh, it's just like a head slap moment. Mr. Malash replied to it and was like, yeah, I wasn't going to tell you about that one. <laughs> So in my hometown of Amherstburg, Ontario, Canada, population mm, by now maybe like 18,000. I don't actually have the stats in front of me, but for the longest time while I was growing up, it was like 10,000. It's like you could, right. you could walk from one end of Amherstburg to the other in like an hour, 90 minutes tops. Um, wow. And it was a story. I had seen it on Facebook when I woke up yesterday. We're recording this on, fuck, what day is it? Sunday. <laughs> Um, Sunday. So it would have been Saturday morning. I woke up and somebody was like, check this fuckery out. And that was somebody had mowed a swastika into their backyard lawn. Wow. What kind of fuckery is this? And like I said on wow. when I posted this, when I, when I posted this story on social media, if you've ever mowed a lawn in southwest Ontario during the month of June it's sticky it's humid it's if you have allergies rip rip you if you have allergies it's not a pleasant experience and you generally want it done as quickly as possible so this motherfucker made an effort to do this now credit where due it was reported like instantly and neighbors and such were like the fuck we will. Um, and it has since been removed. And last I saw somebody chalk black lives matter in front of the house. Um, so, <laughs> so shouts to you, Amherstburg, but also like, you know, you read the stories and then the mayor and then the mayor comments about like, this isn't our town. Like blah, blah, blah. It is your town. It's every town. Don't give me that shit. Like, thank you. Because I always, so I always get really embarrassed when stuff happens in Toronto or Hamilton. For instance, when the Raptors won and there was that giant group of people and someone got stabbed and, like, someone else got shot. Mm. And I was like, come on. Like, really? This is the time for this? <laughs> or when, you know, someone is like, oh, yeah, there's you know, a Nazi flag hanging from someone's house in Hamilton. And I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, 
it's just it's it you have to realize that this is this may not be what you believe but you can't you can't believe that everyone is like you you can't believe that there's you're not possibly living beside a racist or down the street from one or a couple blocks from one they're everywhere so you can't be naive you can't say this is not hamilton yeah yeah it is (laughs) um and i remember god this was years ago i had been i had only left town i'd only left home for about a year i think and i was like um walking it's like taking a walk through town and like i have since learned that it is historically it was used to like indicate a safe space to um runaway slaves i'm going to go out on a limb and say i don't know that that's why it was on this man's lawn in the year of our lord 20 you know 07 or whatever it was um right the blackest night lawn jockey statue. You ever, you ever seen those? Oh yeah. Yeah. But usually when I've seen them, they've either been white. I didn't know they were like historically painted black. I don't um, even know if they black. were historically painted black, but I mean, that was, that was part of what they were like. They were used to indicate safe spaces for, for runaway slaves, which I learned after the fact. Initially I'm just walking through and I'm like, Oh my like chalkboard black painted um, yeah. lawn jockey on this dude's house who then like, I was like, well, ain't this some shit? And I took a picture of it and dude like followed me to like the local, like Becker's where I was like grabbing a slushy because it was a billion degrees that day. Cause again, it gets really fucking hot in Southwest Ontario. Um, yeah. And was on some like, you know, why are you taking a picture of my house type of thing? I was standing on the street. I can take a picture of whatever the fuck I want. Um, be that as it may. And I just remember saying, like, I really liked your lawn. <laughs> like, what, what about my lawn? It was like the, you know, the way it was decorated, the statue especially. And then like kind of stopped and was like, Bleh. and then he like drove off. But again, these are the moments that we now look back on from a current perspective and go like, if he had seen a black dude out there taking that photo, he probably would have called the fucking cops. Uh, for whatever reason. Not to paint with a wide brush, Amherstburg, but, you know, just how, just how it be these days. Oh, I just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, there's weird, I not specifically that, but there's this weird thing where my, I'm, I'm going to tell a story about, uh, I'm guessing you know what a gollywog is. Uh, no, I do not. Oh, okay. So a gollywog is a doll. I, if you don't know what it is, I say... I'm looking looking at one right now. (laughs) I was like, so look it up. So when my dad was a kid... Good Lord. Gollywogs were relatively popular. Like, he grew up in, like, a very small town and, like, on an island, a very small island in uh, the west coast of Scotland. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, they were, he once described it as that was like his doll. Like he thought it was really like for him, that was a cute doll. Right. And my dad isn't racist, but for him, there's like this detachment (laughs) over like what that doll 
represents and what how he saw it as a child right like I don't know when the first time my dad met a person of color was I just don't I I mean it probably when he moved to the mainland um I don't know if there had been some people who had come to the island where he's from possibly um but there's definitely that disconnect however I doubt my dad would go out and buy one now <laughs> or buy one for like my future children like he can recognize yeah. that change what always just it hurts my brain is when say you take something like the um uh oh the horrible flag from the United States the confederate flag that's the one um when people are like oh this is just a symbol of my culture and i'm like well it may be something that in the past to you didn't align with certain ideas but it definitely does now so what you're saying is is that we you let align go of yourself a, with what this represents we let go of a whole bunch of shit that is you know historical all the time yeah you can let go of um, that yeah it's the same thing when they're bringing down you know statues of confederate like leaders and and wanting to replace names of things and people right. are like oh my culture <laughs> like literally there was a story and i'm pretty sure it was hamilton or at least surrounding area where um or there's a number of schools that had the name of i think he was a psychologist um, and then they found out years later that he'd actually been like abusing uh, the students in his care. And so lots of people are changing the names of their schools because they don't want to be associated with this person. Uh, I believe it's Catholic schools. And most people are like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> And then there's a group of people who are like, oh, but it's always been called that. Well, you know what? <laughs> Things change, and for good reason. And that that I struggle with, people just being so resistant to change and seeing things in a different way. And I think that is one of the big underlying issues uh, with what's going on. There's just this, like, resistance to to seeing the whole picture. Resistance, Very narrow-mindedness. Resistance to change from lots of people. Mostly police unions currently, but... Yeah, well, yes. Oh, Lord. Uh, listen, if you want that broke down real quick, look up uh, Hassan Minaj's piece on police unions, or I think it's called, like, the Broken Police or something, from Patriot Act. I actually don't know when it came out, but certainly topical. And upsetting. Uh, but we don't just have those sorts of items to talk about this week, Kate. We have we have actual news items of a sort. We do, amazingly. <laughs> well, you do. I've, I've got nothing. Um, some of these will tie into the current moment, because it's kind of hard to escape the current moment. But one item that has nothing to do with the current moment, but is uh, interesting, I suppose, 
this is a real sort of like insider baseball story, but uh, if you care about comic books, could have significant repercussions to your local comic store. And that is that uh, DC Comics has decided to cut ties with Diamond Comics distributors and pursue, like they started their own dis- distribution uh, for periodicals. And so we've talked before over the years about how kind of messed the comics industry is on the retail side. Yeah. Yeah. How what you think of as comic books, you know, little floppies, little magazines, singles that you would go out and get at the newsstand at your local convenience store or whatever, uh, doesn't really exist anymore. You can get graphic novels everywhere, but the actual like floppies you can really only find in dedicated comic stores or what they call the direct Mm -hmm. market. And, for the better part of like 20 years now, I think maybe on my first go-round as a deep comic buyer was when this happened, uh, Diamond Comic Distributors has been the only game in town for those. They had basically a monopoly on the distribution of comic books. There were other, on the other side of things, like a, like a major Canadian retailer, we would get stuff from Diamond all the time. Um, but DC and Marvel sometimes came from through other uh, supply chains. But... DC removing themselves from Diamond, you know, Monopoly notwithstanding, this had just been the way it went for, you know, the better part of 20 years. And now the direct market has to suddenly jump through a new set of hoops to, like, get these books in. And, you know, comic shops are having a hard enough time as it is currently. I mean, before the pandemic, comic book shops were having a hard time as it was. Throw in the pandemic, throw in the... uh, cessation of monthly comic production that a lot of uh, publishers had gone through in light of the pandemic. Uh, So this is from a story on ICV2.com. Distribution of DC periodicals and graphic novels to comic stores will now be handled by two new distributors. DC opened in April, UCS comic distributors and lunar distribution operated by operated by Midtown comics, actually, which is like, if you were a kid growing up and you bought comic books, there was always a page in the back for Midtown Comics. Like, every comic book had an ad for Midtown in it. That's cool. With, like, a mail order. Like, did you miss something? Send us a money order and we'll send you, like, Todd McFarlane's <laughs> Spider-Man number one type of shit. Um, distribution of graphic novels will be handled by Penguin Random House Publisher Services. Apparently, they've been planning this change for a while. Um, and I don't know the ins and outs of how this is going to affect the comic industry, but I did see a tweet from Toronto Comic Store of the Beguiling this weekend that was like, well, that won't make things more difficult at all. Because um, <laughs> if you have something set, right, and, you know, it's it's worked, it may not be ideal, but it's, you know, what you have been doing to now suddenly, through no fault of your own, have to, like, incorporate an entire new thing and also i don't know how this is going to work for canada specifically because i don't know if these the thing about as you know if you've lived in canada and tried to order anything from america the shipping the duties etc can skyrocket your overhead or lower your overhead skyrocket your overhead i don't know business i talk into a microphone um The, the shit gets expensive. There's a reason I don't buy records from Light in the Attic, because I could buy a $30 record and pay, you know, $70 in shipping just to get it here. No, thank you. Um, so, you know, scale that upward to anybody trying to buy enough product to stock their comic shop month in and month out, and it's probably not going to be fun for them. So, support your LCS where you can. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this 
how this progresses. Um, Marvel, I think, is still not producing monthly comics. DC just resumed in April, I believe. Um, so that was just an odd thing that popped up in the grand scheme of things. Two more items. Um, you may or may not be familiar with the fact that cops like to put the Punisher skull on their uniforms. I believe we've talked about it before on the have show. Have we? I don't know if we have or not, but in the litany of douchebaggery that the police tend to engage with, uh, romanticizing the Punisher, it's apparently part of it. And co-creator of the Punisher, Jerry Conway, is not about that shit at all. Um, no. And he is actively denounced this and as recently as last week was like on Twitter calling out for like young artists of color to like hit me up. I want to write some, we're going to write something that like takes this symbol back basically. And Marvel hasn't really come out one way or the other. They like refer to some story. I don't know who wrote it, but it was like a couple years ago where Frank comes across some cops who are like, you know, when they realize it's him, they want to like take selfies and shit, blah, blah, blah. And he's basically like, and, and they show him the sticker on, like, they have, like, a bumper sticker, and he, like, takes it, and he, like, rips it he, apart, yeah, and he, he's like, no, no, we're not the same. He's like, you were supposed you were supposed to be the ones protecting people, you know, if you want an icon, you know, go see Captain America. I'm not the guy for you. Um, but IRL, I think it was the Detroit Police Force, um, over the weekend, or last week, that they snapped, uh patches and the fucking Sean Hannity wears a pin of a Punisher skull with an American flag on it. Like, Oh my God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like that. Y'all anyway, shouts to Jerry. You're not allowed to have everything. Okay. <laughs> we cannot let them have things. So shouts to Jerry Conway for doing the right thing and shouts to K-pop stands. Who knew Seriously. they would be the heroes we needed. In these dark times. Twofold. If you're unfamiliar with this, to break this down, uh, sorry, K-pop stands are passionate fans of uh, Korean pop groups. Primarily BTS, let's be real. Um, and they are legion. And they are very active on social media. And, like, very active on social media. And I don't know how this got organized, but the first moment, I believe, was when the Dallas Police Department uh, basically promoted a snitching app. <laughs> Um, yes, on, on Twitter and we're like if you see wrongdoing you see something say something send us a video of illegal activity to the Dallas PD and K-pop fans decided mm-mm no, 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 no. and just started flooding this snitching app with what they call fan cams which is where like you know people in the audience you know what you do at every concert you're in the audience and you're taking you're taking video of, you know, your favorite artist. But the thing about K-pop fan cams are like, they will focus on one person generally, like whatever, yeah. whatever their bias is. Um, you know, you love Taeyeon, you like, you're zoomed in on her and they just flooded this thing. And like within a day. And they'll probably like, probably said things like this guy's stealing my heart. <laughs> Stuff like that. I can only imagine. And they have since, it's like the fucking bat signal goes up. The second White Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter or All Lives Matter starts get, they try to get a hashtag going. The K-pop stands are like, nope. <laughs> and they flood the hashtag and drown out any of the stupid. The other interesting thing that's a little 
a little underground that I want to shout out the K-pop fans for is like, so one thing that's kind of been making the rounds is like, if you want to give to the cause basically, but you don't have any money, how can you give? How can you financially contribute if you don't really have any money? And Mm -hmm. there are YouTube creators that have like thrown up these like hour long videos and heavily monetize them. And it's like, they throw up a bunch of ads and it's like, just leave it running in the background. Don't skip any of the ads. But then, and these are tools that K-pop fans figured out for like, because Korean pop is all based around popularity contests, basically, right? Like they have these music shows every week that kind of like, you know, award the hot single of the day. And how do yeah. they judge that with voting and YouTube streams and shit like that. And the K-pop fans have figured out all the mechanics they have to do to make sure that every stream counts towards their favorite act. So you don't get flagged as spam. Cause if you just watch it again and again, those right. views aren't going to count. And mm-hmm. these are the tools that can now be used when you're watching one of these monetized YouTube videos to like ensure that it generates revenue that can go to black lives matter. And it's like, there's like a fucking code for it. I don't remember what it is. It's like three slash five slash R like, <laughs> It's basically watch the thing, then watch three to five videos, all different. You don't even have to watch them all. Just yeah. wa- click through like three to five videos, then go back to the original video. And that's how the views count. And like, these are all the tools that like the K-pop fans, you know, figured out over the years to make sure like, you know, Blackpink wins the week on Mnet countdown type of shit. Right. Like <laughs> and now they're being used to make sure that YouTube is ponies up ad money to causes that, uh, you know, promote equality and that's just fucking Amazing. genius so Amazing. shouts to you k-pop stands you the real mvp lastly on the news front shouts revoked from jk rowling i think that's been going on for a while but yes it's been going on for a while and this is really like okay so i want to make sure i get this correct so i have the I have the page open here in the story from variety So J.K. Rowling has kind of been gone back and forth a lot recently with the trans community. Um, She has been frequently labeled a TERF, which is a term that gets thrown over a lot. Uh, What does that that even stand for, Kate? Trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Yes, it is. It is is, uh, feminists who believe that you are a woman if you were born only if you were born with, like, female genitalia. Yes. And that there are no other exceptions to this, and that um, being trans is basically an erasure of the feminine or some bullshit like that. That that, that sex and gender are tied a little more tightly than maybe they actually are. Anyway. Yeah. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I can fully cop to this not being my primary uh, area of expertise, but Rowling took issue with something she saw on Twitter, an article, I believe about um, uh, period poverty and things like that, which is how, you know, basically menstruation products, tampons and such uh, do not make their way to impoverished communities as much as they should perhaps. And that they should be free or covered by, yeah. You know, and health, also, health ministries and things like that. Into, it's also tied into other things about, like, making them non-taxable because they're right. a requirement. They're not yes. for fun. 
Yeah, I'm not like you know. It's like, not they, sure they have they have different styles, but it's not really something I could just be like, no, nah, I'm not going to get those this month. It's they're required things to be able to be um, sanitary and healthy and all that. So this weekend, this weekend, as we are recording, June 7th, this weekend, think of everything else that's been happening in the world this weekend. We'll come back to that. (laughs) (laughs) Rowling read a a story or a headline uh, about an article from DevEx, a media platform for the global development community titled, quote, opinion, colon, creating a more equal post-COVID-19 world for people who menstruate. And that is the phrase that set Joanne off, uh, not happy about that. And she tweets, quote, people who menstruate, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. Wombin, Wimpund, Woomud, and then tweeted a link to the article. Now, to my mind, it's just like, well, there are people who don't identify as women who menstruate. Am I reading that correctly? Like, that's that's what they were attempting to yeah. get across with that phrasing? Yeah. And that's sort of been more, like, held up. And you can't just say, like, women, because there are lots of women who don't menstruate. I mean, women who were born as females who don't menstruate. Like, they either, for personal reasons or medical reasons, do not. And then, as someone like me, who takes a woman who identifies as a woman or who wants to present as a woman who maybe wasn't born female, they are women because they get, Hey, anybody who gets like, has to deal with the same shit or most of the same shit <laughs> that I have to deal with as a woman, they get the, like, here, I'll give you like a, a pin or a badge or a sticker because <laughs> it, it can really suck. And I don't think we should divide that. So, yes, that it's just basically specifically for those people, whether you identify as a man or a woman or something in between, um, who menstruate. Because as we know, historically, people who have uh, who are transgendered or sometimes intersex or who um, are non-binary, non-binary are often also in poverty. Because sometimes our society really sucks and mm-hmm. they're like, there's no place for you. And so they have, they get pushed to the margins. And so it can affect them even more than people who fall very much in that little, like, perfect square of born female and identify as a woman. So I agree with their use of people who menstruate. So, and this is all, all these, everything I'm saying here is coming from an article on Variety by a writer named Jordan Murrow. Um, Quote, people on Twitter immediately call Rowling's comments anti-trans and transphobic, as transgender people, non-binary people, and gender non-conforming people can also menstruate. Rowling followed up that tweet by criticizing the idea that someone's biological sense isn't real. Quote, this is Rowling now. Quote, if sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but... And this is now me coming in. Uh, Pro tip for everyone. The second you hit the butt of your sentence, you should probably just delete the tweet. Like, if you're writing a tweet, if you're in drafts and you hit the butt of your sentence, probably walk that one back. 
Red um, flags. Red flags. Because here's what I know. And like I, like I said at the top, this is not my primary area of expertise of all the social social justice issues of the in the world. This is probably the one I have the greatest amount of work to do on. But one thing I would like to think I've picked up being a piece of cishet white male scum in 2020 is that you don't get to decide what people are offended by. And if you say something and somebody hits you back with, holy shit, that's really hurtful. You don't get to say, but blah, 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 blah. You should probably just take a pause and try to think about why that hurt somebody and why you felt the need to say it. That's what you should probably try to do. Rowling did not really try to do that and had a few more tweets basically proving accusations that she maybe have some turf in her accurate. Um, she, I mean, this is, and this isn't new. This has been going on for a long time. I think this is one, like, maybe the most high profile one that kind of popped up this weekend. Cause it seems like, it seems like a real, I've seen Harry Potter stands that like are diehard speak out on this one that I haven't seen them speak out on the other ones. Um, and shouts to the Harry Potter fans out there. I mean, death of the author. You can still like the stuff. I know it meant a lot to a lot of you. Like you can separate author from work, but really what it comes down to is like, you read something you didn't like rubbed you the wrong way. Maybe, maybe she didn't think it was that controversial a take either way though. Did you not turn on a television this weekend? Could you not sat on this one for a few days? (laughs) You're trying to silence a woman. Yeah, I am. <laughs> you could have shut your mouth. What do we always say around here, Kate? You know what's free? You know what's free and generally more helpful than not? You shut the fuck up. Shutting the fuck up. You need to shut the fuck up. We could... approve of shutting the fuck up, even for our own selves. You could have just... Sometimes we just shut the fuck up. You could have just shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Neither of us are people of color. Both of us are cis-het garbage people, so, like, sometimes we just shut the fuck up on things. Sometimes, sometimes the best thing you can do is shutting the fuck up. Oh, yeah. I will definitely give out stickers for that. (laughs) Like a little star. It's like, congratulations, you shut the fuck up. Good for you for shutting (laughs) the fuck up. J.K. Rowling... Should have shut the fuck up. Shut the... Um, Like, just... I... mm, mm. And I don't want people to think, you know, I I am for open discussions and all that, but time and place makes real importance. Like like the homie Travis said on Twitter, read the room, Karen. Like... (laughs) (laughs) That's good, yeah. So, since it is opportune June, which we did not mentioned at the top and we are back right. in format means we don't talk about updates at the end of the show we talk about them now now caitlin mckinnon yeah how have you been whiling away another apocalyptic week on this planet um all of the avatar <laughs> it's been your comfort food this week we are on the second season or second book if you will uh hey so like am I. we're like halfway through earth and it's scratching all the itches you need scratched? Yes. And I just can't get over, like, how good the show is. I'm sorry. I know, like, you're like, eh, about it. Calm, calm but down. just, like, well, I just mean just, like, really, 
just love this show so much. Um, so we basically, senior correspondent Chris and I have basically, that's what we've been watching. Uh, a couple times when he's been, he has multiple D&D games. So a couple times when he's been playing D&D, I've tried to watch other things, and I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm just not getting into the groove of things as easily. Um, but I've, in succession, I've tried to watch Agatha Raisin, The Moonstone, Rosemary in Time, and Springwatch. And I maybe got into like 15 minutes of each. <laughs> that, all, like, that all and, sounds like some Acorn TV shit. Yeah, Acorn and like a couple of uh, British TV things, um, Brit Box stuff. Um, but just, I can't, I just can't get into the groove of stuff. I don't know what it is. I want to watch old things that I've either watched before or television shows that I've watched before. But new stuff, I'm just like, yeah. Mm. Um, I have been reading a lot of uh, Emily Dickinson. Don't ask me. Well, I actually know why. Because I'm actually trying to read all the books on my shelf. Oh. I know. And I've read some Emily Dickinson, who, for people who don't know, she's a famous poet from the U.S. Um, she never published, well, that's not totally true. She didn't publish nearly the majority of her poems. She's got a ridiculous number of poems. Some of the, most of them are very, very short. She has published, she did publish a couple of them, um, but basically they were published posthumously and it was only at around like 1940 to 1950 that she became very popular. Um, and now sort of everyone's heard of Emily Dickinson if, if, you know, you take English or probably part of some of her stuff um, in high school English. Um, but I have a collection, a large collection of her poems, not everything um, because there's so much, but I'm, I'm slowly getting through that, um, which is interesting because a lot of them are on life and nature and it, it's interesting times um, to read some Emily Dickinson. Uh, and... That's about it. I mean, Murder, She Wrote, <laughs> always, always comf, sort of the comf of choice. Um, I did find something, though, on, I think it was BritBox, it might be Acorn, though, um, that I will be watching. Oh. I can tell you that. Um, have I ever spoken about Victoria Wood? I don't know that you ever have. Okay, I may have spoken about her when she passed away, but Victoria Wood was a comedian from the UK who changed the game in a lot of ways for female comics. Um, she was absolutely brilliant, hilarious. She passed away uh, quite a few years ago. Um, but she has a show called Victoria Wood's A Nice Cup of Tea, where she explores the history of tea and the importance in Britain of tea and I am for that <laughs> so hard that like the picture of her is um on a train with a cup of tea and I'm like oh my god it's my dream life um so I will be watching that for sure I'll tell you how that goes <laughs> um but other than that the only thing that's sort of distracting me is um where the fuck my tea cozy is <laughs> 
this show the show is just quickly devolving into where's our shit the, the podcast <laughs> i mean i didn't care until like last week when i thought it had come but thankfully you know i have that my my um jessica lands oh sorry uh, jb fletcher funko pop love it so glad it came but then ever since then i've been thinking about where my tea cozy is and then i got a message from the etsy shop where i bought it from saying like please rate us also here's a coupon for another purchase and i was like but the first purchase didn't come and i didn't get a tracking number oh well they're they're not good for much anyway but (laughs) so i think i'm gonna have to just message them and be like hey any ideas about like when this is supposed to come i understand if it's going to take a while that's okay i'm fine with that i just would like to know that it's on its way um i just have concerns about if i'm going to get this tea cozy i've also been drinking a lot of tea so this is indirect like this is important for my life this is relevant this is a relevant product i was telling kate before we went on before the mics came on that like it was a momentous day on my end of where's my shit the podcast because the last remaining tracking number finally uh flipped from arrival at post office to departure from post office so everything has left japan yeah i was in the process of leaving japan and yeah I had one last I had one last order that I made directly from a shop that I never bought from before. Um and they sent me a uh they were like, Yeah, it shipped, but again, no tracking number. So I'm never seeing that motherfucker. That motherfucker's gonna show up in November. It'll be a surprise. Oh Lord. Well, like Kate said, it's uh, a little rough out there to focus on new stuff. <laughs> like Oh yeah. Like last week, I was like, Man, Dorohedro's great. Think I've watched a single episode of Dorohedro since? Nope. You think I've watched every Vine compilation on YouTube? Yup. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey Nora, do you pee your pants? What? Do you pee your pants? Yes, sometimes. <laughs> I can't like vines for me are the junk food of entertainment. The best like they're beyond comp. It's not like noodles and butter. Like it's like <laughs> Just filling my face with Joe Louise. Um, <laughs> like, it's just, it makes, they just make me so happy and they're so comforting. It's like visiting old friends that well, make you laugh every time, even after watching these for like oh two God. years. Uh, yes, I, <laughs> I think it was, um, I think it was the first day where like, it would have been like the day, the days after the first protests were like, oh, cops ain't shit. Um, was really like becoming a parent and after a day of like, you know, I'm doing my part, I guess I'm like, you know, posting shit and, you know, retweeting shit and hopefully giving food for thought to people who might, uh, want it. Um, and by the end of the day, I just posted a screenshot of YouTube and it was like, because someone had DM me just to like, be like, Hey, how are you? And I, I captioned it, quote, hey, how are you, she asked, in the screenshot of, like, vines that help me when I'm losing my will to live. <laughs> and I had to pick which one was going to be, I was going to include in the screenshot, and it was just, you know, 
it was the best because it was you know a dude swinging from something and then the next day someone i used to work with who i have not spoken to really in like three years dms me <laughs> with the phrase i want to be a cowboy babe <laughs> like yes yes maya thank you um and if you know vines you're laughing right you're now. laughing because you know that vine um so I don't know when I fell into the vine hole. It might have been after I watched the other thing I watched this week, which is not a fun hang, but you should probably watch it. And that's 13th, which is Ava DuVernay's oh. documentary on the prison industrial complex, which is on Netflix. Y'all thankfully, should probably watch that. Thankfully, I don't have to watch that. You want to know why? Because you read the new Jim Crow? <laughs> well, no, because I already watched a documentary on it. Like... Oh, 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, I've had a copy of The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander for years, and I've started reading it this week. Um, this documentary is basically a lot of the premise of that book, broken down into like an hour and 40 minutes, just about how the war on drugs and the, and the um, like I said, the prison industrial complex is just kind of designed to indenture people of color in a different way yeah the history of it is really fucking crazy i remember watching it weirdly i was in montreal we'd settled in for the evening and the person i was with i think had gone to bed and i like stayed up for like two hours it was like a pbs something (laughs) or other watching this thing and was just horrified and yeah, it it really does like oh explain a lot. By the time Thirteenth got to, and granted, you know Thirteenth came out like last year, I think mm-hmm. last year or the year before. So I mean, by the time it gets to the point where it's running like the montage of you know twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen's run of black folks killed by cops on film. Um, by the time you get to Philando Castile's fiance calmly telling Facebook Live that the man she loves has been shot as he's bleeding out in the passenger seat, you may be like me and just sobbing with your head in your hands for the state of the world. Um, but it, you need to fucking watch this. You need to fucking, mm-hmm. you know, get wise to it. Because, um, yeah, the breaking down mandatory minimums and the three strikes law and just what having any sort of criminal record in America like does to you. Like you're a non-citizen at that point, basically you can't, you can't Mm -hmm. vote. You can't, you'll have a hard time getting a job. Um, you'll have a hard time acquiring credit or buying home or renting. Like you're, you're, you're done at that point. Basically there's no way if the premise is that like you should serve your debt to society and then carry on with your life, the carry on with your life part never happens. No. If you even get out of jail, cause you're on a third strike for like a drug offense. Anyway, that's not a chill hang, but y'all, but wh- an important hang white folks, especially hang. yes. Spend a fucking hour and 40 minutes of your time. Um, watching this and then try to be a good ally like I'm trying to do and get the actual book and get more in depth into it. Um, um, I, I do have a, um, a sort of like important message hmm. for, for anyone who is thinking about 
um, and I'm sure it's not our audience. I'm sure it doesn't apply to them. But if if you know of someone or you, for some reason, are thinking of reaching out to your friends of color or friends who are black and are like, hey, can you give me some resources? No, 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 What's going on? Don't do that. Just fucking Google it. You have Google? We all know how to use Google. Don't bother them. To circle back. Leave them alone. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Just, we like to, you know, we like to loop things around. So shut the fuck up and Google it. Take your ass to Google. There are enough articles that will let you know. Um, so that's the non-fun hang, the more fun hang. Ooh, what kept me up what kept me up too late last night? Always happens. Thank you, official Love Live channel, for showing Aqua at the Tokyo Dome live streaming. For me to me to enjoy. Kate, it's a very important yeah. development in my of general course. my general appreciation. Because, like, look, we know Muse are the Alpha and Omega. Like, nothing's touching them. But yeah. I have grown to appreciate Aqua a little more, as we've said previous, because of the, uh, you know, their... There's sort of memory that's happened over the years, the sort of in-jokes and stupidity. Because, I mean, Aqua's, Aqua got to, like, enjoy the fruit of Muse's labor. Like, when Muse was doing it, there were no rules. Like, they were the first ones out. They kind of, like, set the template, and then Aqua just kind of got to walk into it, like, and improve upon it in some ways. But most importantly, I I think I have a best girl in Aqua now. <laughs> Not the character. The characters in Aqua are all pretty to me um but shuka saito who voices yo she is delightful she got the thousand watt smile and she's also when you watch them perform she is clearly like the rest of the girls their movements look a little squishy but shukashu is like bam pow pow like got that super, super i like the light. idea of someone's movements looking squishy you... i think that's how i live my life <laughs> but you know it when you see it like like initially, I thought, I thought my best girl would be the girl who voices uh, Kana. Her name's her nickname, Suwawa. Um, Suwawa always looks bored. <laughs> always looks low key bored, um, which I think is just her face. She's got a real like kind of like feline face, sort of like she has a real like kind of feline smile. So she always looks kind of like not into it. But man, Shuka is like pow 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 pow. So greatly enjoying that. There's a lot of movement going on in the, in the Love Live world right now. Um, which is somewhat exciting. Um, but the most exciting thing this week, I almost forgot about it until I was like going through my YouTube history. Like, what did I watch this week? And I was reminded of the thing. I believe it was Monday night that I kicked down the door of Caitlin's Facebook messenger (laughs) and was like, look what I'm watching. And that was when, so I know why this happened. Um, when I watch YouTube on the PlayStation, I got, there was like a hiccup with the app or something and I got logged out and I couldn't log back in. So like the algorithm was all screwy, right? Yeah. So the suggestions were all like way off. Um, but because I had been you know doing a Nutana rewatch for the show on watching it on the PlayStation, this is what it was. This is what was fueling the algorithm there. So when YouTube on the PlayStation suggested that what I might want to spend my Monday night doing was watching hour-long Takarazuka-style all-female musicals of Revolutionary Girl Utena live-action, uh, the answer was yes. 
That's the thing he did. Immediately. It was so bad. This footage was included as like a bonus on like a Blu-ray box set or something. So I believe it was heavily condensed because it'll be like a title card and then like a couple, a couple musical numbers and then another title card. But man, the second the student council showed up and they were all, they were all chicks. I was like, yes, God, give it to me. (laughs) Give me, give me girls in drag performing performing musicals i just kept sending kate screenshots repeatedly about like this is the most insane shit i've ever seen even more insane they keep doing them there was one in like 2017 amazing like an anniversary one like some chick from akb48 was in it give me all give me all ladies dressing up like (laughs) choo choo the mouse monkey whatever he is oh my god apparently he's a monkey but i was sure he was a mouse (laughs) The second it just cut to to Ansi and her, like, full-size, like, a woman dressed up in a monkey costume. Going like, this is my pet. Um, And the best... This video had the best YouTube comment I've ever seen, which was, quote, there is no heterosexual explanation for this. (laughs) Accurate. So, a weird week of updates. Can't lie. And as far as what we checked out, we'll get into that after the break, because we have no idea. No, we haven't told each other. We didn't tell each other anything, so it'll be just as much a surprise for y'all as it is for us, and we'll get into that when we come back from this break. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is the part of the show where the both of us talk about the things we brought each other, but not really because it is opportune June. And we've actually just decided to take a look at things that we possibly have brought each other. I don't know in Jordan's case. His is weird, but he won't tell me. Um, so technically, we've brought each other things, but we don't know what those things are. Is that pretty clear, Jordan? Yeah. Last week, it was like we told each other what to watch or what to revisit. And this week it was kind of like host choice. Go back and look at all the things that we have brought each other and host choice, pick whatever you want. What struck your interest? Mm -hmm. What did you, what do you feel like revisiting? And we don't know what they were. Uh, I mean, technically we have rules. The rules don't really apply. Um, aside primarily hashtag save for the pod. Cause I don't even know what Kate looked at, looked at. Nope. And she does not know what I looked at. Also, uh, there will be spoilers. And Kate, what can they do if they don't like spoilers? Uh, they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> fuck yo. Usually, self. usually it's you can get the fuck out. But I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> In this day and age, we don't have time. We don't have time to coddle you people. No. Just, oh, you people who hate spoilers, fuck yourself. But, like, do it nicely. <laughs> still, still do it nicely. Gently. You know, really love yourself while you're fucking yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Grab a Joe Louie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Treat yourself to a Joe Louie. And then fuck yourself. Kate. Yes. What did you watch? Um. Well... I was looking through and I saw a bunch of things and I was like, oh, I could take a look at this. And then I came upon this and I was like, oh my God, how did I not continue watching this? 
I was actually upset with myself. That is Paco's Udon World. Oh my god, right. I thought it could have been, the second you said you were mad at yourself, I was like, oh, this could be a couple, but yes, that definitely makes sense. Yes, um, so the literal translation of the Japanese title is the Golden Furball of Udon Country, and I think that is much better. But it's fine. What an appropriate, um, what an appropriate show for this moment in time. <laughs> right? Uh, the series revolves around the complicated but normal life of Suta Tawara, a young web designer, designer from Tokyo who decides to return to his hometown in Kagawa following the death of his father and to take a break from the city. Upon his return, he sadly learns that the family restaurant has, had gone out of business during his absence. While reminiscing about his childhood, Suta walks inside the closed-down restaurant and discovers a blonde-haired little boy wearing rags sleeping inside a cooking pot. As you do. Then, Su- then Suta realizes that this child is a shape-shifting tanuki that had been inhabiting Kagawa for many years. Thinking that the boy has been living a lonely life, he decides to adopt him and name him Paco. Each episode follows the heartwarming relationship between Suta and Paco. And Poco. through the time they spend to... What? It's Poco. Poco? Yes. Oh. Paco. Go Paco, whatever. Suta and Paco. Poco. I can do it. Suta and Poco. No, god damn it. And through the time they spend together, Suta recalls his own past, the place he left behind for the city, and the relationship he had with his father. So you were, nothing happens in the show. Yeah, you, you were you were a fan of this, if I recall. Primarily for Poco's cuteness. Oh yeah. <laughs> um yeah, nothing happens in this show. No. Um, except adorable things. Um, and Poco is the cutest small child. Um, the best though is when they're not actually like the camera isn't like panned on Poco. Um, it'll be like, there's like a scene in, I think it's the sixth episode. Um, maybe the, the fifth episode where there's a dog <laughs> and they have this interaction with this dog and then their um uh Tawara is or Suta is talking to his friend and Poco's like dog and he's like not right now and just like the look on his face he's just like miserable <laughs> um yes it is adorable and heartwarming and it gets better he goes back to Tokyo in the sixth episode and has to bring uh, Poco with him. Right. And just, oh my God, <laughs> Poco is so cute. <laughs> just all the time. Uh, his love of juice <laughs> is adorable. His love of udon is. His love of juice. Like, I know, I just, he just, it's almost like the moments where he's not trying to be adorable. I know he's a cartoon character, but not trying to be adorable is. When he's most adorable. Um, but yeah, I just, and then there's like, uh, Suta's sister is like <laughs> terrible with children. I don't know. I just, all of it is wonderful and fun. And then, uh, they go to like, uh, uh steam baths, hot baths. I was door. just going to ask about that. If that was a, Oh my God. And then like, episodes. yeah. And, uh, Poco is like, okay, I want to go next time with, your friend and he calls him grandpa and I'm like, Oh God, so cute. Um, yeah. So really the show is about family and relationships. Yes. 
and it's just this really nice, heartwarming show that makes me want to move to Japan. <laughs> um, and also get uh, find like a, a Tanaki and raise one. I I will say like or Tanuki rather the thing that the sort of like back half of the show is like as more and more people start to tell him people who know the situation start to tell him like, what are you going to do about this? Like basically you play, you playing dad, like what is, what are we doing here? Like this is not right. sustainable. Um, and sort of moving towards how the story of the two of them um, sort of ends is, you know, <laughs> what? What's well, a one season show? Like, and they live happily ever after. What are you doing? Not, nobody dies. It's fucking Poco's Udon World. It's not like fucking a Titan comes over, comes rises from the ocean, and starts eating them. Like, I don't know. It's anime. That is true. Anything could happen. That is true. The it's... world could open up and horrors could escape and everyone dies. So to start. Because it's anime. So to start sleeping with his sister because, just because. Could have a real school days. Like, have a real school days type of vibe to it or just out of nowhere people are getting decapitated. The student council <laughs> tries to elect Poco as the president. Like, <laughs> anything could happen. <laughs> Uh, it, anyway, it remains so, comf. Okay, good. Cause I'm going to, cr- you're going to, I'm going to cry. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. Jordan. <laughs> I wanted one thing that just everyone lives happily. And maybe I just won't finish the series. <laughs> no, finish it. Damn you. I'll just, I'll just be like, they live together forever. <laughs> I need happily. one nice thing. Just eating udon forever. Udon forever. <laughs> Anyways, it was a lovely watch, and I got up to episode six, so halfway through the the series, um, the child remains adorable, uh, and that's really all that matters. When you said you came across this thing and you were like mad at yourself for forgetting about it, I thought it was going to be how heavier the dumbbells you lift. <laughs> well, yes, I mean <laughs> that's where my mind went initially. <laughs> I was like, oh, she went back to dumbbells. <laughs> No, I got it. There's like so many things I have to go back to. There's so many things that I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll continue watching that, um, and never do. Oh, even I was reminded uh, I going think... through of the stuff I gave you. I was like, oh damn, Wodakoi, I remember that. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. But there are. I think this is probably the time in which I will go back. Oh yeah, it's probably it's probably a good time to get that Udon world <laughs> into your life. Yep. Watch that little that little okay. kid show at the end of every episode and just feel good. <laughs> I, oh my god, I forgot. <laughs> and then I... Uh, there's Okay, so in the second episode I watched, so episode five, um, so I don't know if it was Mimi or Momo, but one of the mechanic ladies mm-hmm. are reaching for his zipper, and Gao Gao Chan is like, no, and I want to know why. <laughs> also, why does he have a zipper? Like, so many questions. Also, in the last episode, he goes back to his father, who is also the king, who is also named Gao Gao, <laughs> um, and tells him that he's going back to Earth to, 
like live there. Right. Um, and yeah. Oh, see, all bits of this show are amazing. <laughs> Poco's Udon so, World, I yo. I don't know what I gave it last time, but it's like a ten. You were pretty, you were pretty big on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all you got to. That's that's yeah. Hey, fair enough. Listen, the only reason I have more than one is because I just felt like the the first thing I went back to like went down so quick. I was like, oh damn, I better I should I should watch something else. I don't know. Um, so I was skimming through the list of items Kate has given me, and I was like, Kate's given me a lot of movies recently, which I understand why. It's pretty much by request because you know, especially when I was like working nights, and it was like here watch this British period series that's a solid hour per episode. And I'm, when I would tell her, here, watch this anime that's 25. In the time I watch one of these, she's done her work for the week. Um, mm-hmm. So there have been a lot of things that like I couldn't go back to because they were movies. I watched them and they were done. I had a similar moment to Kate where I saw something on the list and went, oh, damn, I really like that. And I didn't finish it. And it's so easy for me to just get more of it. So I will do that. And that was Skyward. Oh, yay! Um, Skyward was a graphic novel that Kate had given me. I don't remember what episode. doesn't matter. Uh, it was co-created by Joe Henderson and Lee Garbett. It was an image book that came out in 2018, I think, started. Yes, started in 2018. Uh, ran 15 issues. I didn't know it was done, so that kind mm-hmm. of uh, spurred me on. Uh, one day gravity on earth suddenly became a fraction of what it is now. 20 years later, humanity has adapted to its new low gravity reality and to Willa Fowler, a woman born just after G day. It's well, pretty awesome. Actually from writer Joe Henderson and artist Lee Garbett is an adventure filled exploration of our world turned upside down and a young woman's journey to find her place in it. Um, so I think I had read the first trade when Kate gave it to me. It has since, uh, wrapped. It would brand for 15 issues. I read all of it. Uh, did you read all of it? Did you get to all of it? I didn't read all of it. You did not? Well, no. I will have to mind my tone then. Oh my god, Kate, fuck yourself. <laughs> Talk about spoilers. Um, no, I will refrain from talking. How far did you get? Uh, maybe halfway through the series. Okay, well, I only ran three trades, so I mean... Um, did you get to the farmers? Did you get to any of that? No. Well, I can't talk about anything, friends. <laughs> no, no, no. Talk about it. It's fine. It's fine. I don't care about spoilers. You know that. Basic... I don't have time for spoilers. It's fine. <laughs> um, I guess basically the biggest takeaway is, listen, I was pretty hype on this book when Kate gave it to me. I'm still pretty hype on it. Looks great. Character development's great. The little details about the world building are great as well. But I did think it. how do I say this fairly, um... I believe, if I recall, this was the writer's... The writer came from, like, a screenwriting background, and this was his first graphic novel, I believe. Right. Yes, that's right. So, I mean, I don't want to... Right, it was... Right, he was the producer and co-showrunner of Lucifer. Um, And he had worked as a producer on shows like Graceland and Almost Human. Um, He was primarily a film producer. And I know that the writer Joe Henderson, and he says as much in the uh, afterword to the last volume, is they're now, like, working, you know, they sold the rights to Sony, and now he's writing the movie. And it kind of feels like 
I can't, I can never fault anyone for how they get the bag, but it feels like this book was made to sell as a movie. Right. And I've heard um, details before about like, I heard somewhere, I don't know where, but I heard somewhere that like, if, if you're looking to sell IP, oh God, this is so gross to talk about it this way, but like, if you're looking to sell IP, it's more lucrative if you have a graphic novel because there are visual rights, you know, you kind of keep more, there's more pieces of the pie you can control because you've established the visual look as well. Right. To the show or to the property. Um, so by the end of this, it did feel kind of bashed out rather quick by the end of it. So it was there and it was done. And now we can, it's like mailing a fucking like, you know, they always say a cheap way to like copyright something for yourself is just mail it to yeah, yourself. It's mail like, it to yourself. it's like, get yeah. it done, get it done and mail it to yourself. So you have the copyright. That's kind of the vibe I got by the end of it. It's like, wow, we are flying here. Like, yeah. um, and yes, I do remember the farmers. Okay. <laughs> so you did get to that. Um, yeah. Basically and like the, the plot against the city. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you got pretty, you must've got through the second, you got through the second trade then basically. Um, I thought I only got through half, but yeah, possibly. It was a while ago. So, yeah. Uh, Willa, in the first trade, has, like, made it out of Chicago. Um, she, her dad basically had lost his wife in G-Day, which is when gravity went scree honk, and has been obsessed with fixing the world ever since, and had given, you know, things happened, he ended up. Uh, sacrificing himself to save Willa because his former partner, like, looked to get rich. Uh, they both knew G-Day was coming. Um, and whereas Willa's dad wanted to, you know, prevent it uh, or put things back to normal, his partner looked to capitalize on it. Yay, capitalism. And had spent the preceding years, like, working on technology that he could then sell to, like, you know, maintain uh, life for the elites sort of thing. So basically, Will's dad had told her that, like, he knew how to fix things, and he gave her, like, this journal, and it was all kind of leading them to Kansas City. Like, they knew that. They knew it was going to lead them to Kansas City, so it's her and her friend. I don't remember his name, but he's, like, the son of a, one of the elite families in Chicago. And they're on a train to go to Kansas City. The train gets stopped in the middle of a forest. Forests are bad because insects have evolved yes. strangely yes, they have. with the lack of gravity. They've gotten super large. So yes, you get uh, you get giant dragonflies and you get these farmers. They work to just feed the city basically. And are like a class war thing kind of like pops up where you have these farmers who are trying to plan a revolt on Chicago type of thing as Will is trying to get to Kansas city to, you know, save the world. Her friend and companion He's missing his legs. So low gravity is aces for him. He doesn't, he doesn't mind it. Um, but then, you know, the evil villain, uh, who's chasing them. Will's dad's former partner, you know, tells him that like, you know, she's trying to put you back in the chair, right? Like she wants to turn gravity back on, put you back in the chair. So there's a tension of what's he going to do. Cause he knows that blah, blah, blah. When you get to Kansas city, things get even more kind of like wonked. As far as, like, I'll put it like this. There's no way to fix the world like you think, and like Will thinks, fixing the world means. Right. Like you think it's going to be a button or something, and then gravity comes back. That's not what it is. 
And I respected that, but there was also like a major <laughs> reveal, which was kind of telegraphed the second it happens or the second it's alluded to. Um, but even when it happens, it's like, that's, I'm now questioning, this is moving so fast. I'm questioning motivate characters, motivations and things like that. So it's, I just thought it was moving too fast near the end of it, which I don't want to question anybody's motivations. I do think the book was you know made with care and still definitely is worth a read. Like it went down. I couldn't stop reading it. Like once I was into it, it's on Hoopla. You can read it for free. Like, um, and I just burned through those last two trades and I don't not recommend it. I still think it's a great book. It just seemed like I wish they had been interested in making this 30 issues, you know, right. Instead of, you know, 15 and done. Um, but who knows? It's an indie book. There's a million considerations that I'm probably and I was gonna say, not like, thinking of. If that's really hard to do, if you're not Neil Gaiman, that's really <laughs> difficult to do. If you're not Brian K. Vaughn, if you're not Neil Gaiman, I mean, it's a, it's a season of television, right? I mean, this guy comes from television. He probably plotted it out like a season. He probably broke the story like that. And, you know, by episode whatever, you had to hit these beats. And by episode 15, you had to kind of reset things by here. And there are still places it could go and they could revisit it at some point. It basically ends with the you know, Willa going on some extra adventures by the end of it. Um, so that door is definitely, there's a whole world they made that they could, you know, revisit. And I'm sure, you know, you saw, you see Chicago and Kansas city and <laughs> like the stretch in between it. Like there's still yeah. a whole world out there, a whole continent living in this reality that they could, that they could explore. And I hope they do. So I think I probably gave it like an eight when, or something like that when I first, uh, when you first gave it to me. I don't feel the need to amend that one way or the other. It's still an eight. Like it's still art's gorgeous. Definitely worth, definitely worth checking oh, out. Oh, it's it's so beautiful. A really easy example of like how you can just like man diversity in comics blah blah blah. blah. Like it's so easy. <laughs> like <laughs> hey look. There's a guy who's disabled. Also, he's Asian, but it's not really like a thing that really needs to get talked about. Um, no. Will is black. Not really a big... And a woman. Wow. Not really a thing we need to talk about. Hey, look, there are some lesbians. Don't need to talk about that either. Like, it's just a thing. So easy, y'all. Uh, so, I finished reading that about... Like I said, it probably took me like... Honestly, I probably read it too fast because I was like, oh, God, it's Saturday night and I'm recording tomorrow. I need to get this done. But I read it so fast. I was like, that's seems like I haven't put enough work in on this. Is there anything? Is there anything that I haven't checked out yet or that I want to go back to? And it occurred to me. It's not really something Kate gave me, but it's something that Kate has been keeping much more up on than I have. So I made some time to get a few episodes into the second season of Harley Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> Suffers, I feel, from the uh, curse of familiarity, I guess. Like, I remember when I first watched, when I went into the first season, I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, you go into this season, you're like, you know what you're going to, you know what you're getting at some point. Um, so, like, it wasn't as surprising to me. I like that they're kind of riffing on the uh, classic No Man's Land story from the, God, late 90s, early aughts, whenever that was, where an earthquake isolated uh, Gotham from the rest of the world in these first couple episodes where I've seen, you know, Batman's missing <laughs> commissioner Gordon is still trying to summon him <laughs> just through pure will. And when he does show up, it's Robin in a Batman costume <laughs> yeah. o oversized Batman costume. 
Um, and basically what has happened is the, like, you know, rogues gallery has kind of divvied. Basically, in the first episode, Harley is like, anarchy, woo! And Ivy's kind of like, you may want to, like, set some sort of control here. Like, you may want to take this over. And Harley's like, nah, fuck it. Anarchy for all. And what happens? Fine. It's chaos. It's great. Yeah. Nothing bad's going to happen. And what happens is the, the, you know, rogues gallery, the classic Batman rogues gallery kind of splits the city up. I guess it's also an Arkham. It's a like no man's land combined with Arkham city, right? It's like parts of the, um, parts of the city have been all divvied up by the Riddler, the penguin, uh, Bane. And is he Mr. Freeze? Dr. Wait. Freeze? Who is he? <laughs> See Mr. Um, or Doctor? Did you say Two Face? Mr. Freeze. I did see Two Face. Yes, Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a part of organized crime. I'm just trying to find a cure for my for my <laughs> ill-stricken wife. How do you fund that organized crime? How did you have you got to the? I've Mr. only gotten Freeze two episodes. I've only gotten two episodes in. So she just took uh. out. She took. She just took out the Riddler on the last one uh, that I saw. <laughs> Riddler University. <laughs> Which I mean, shouts to fucking Clayface on that episode. That was fucking. That was fucking awesome. Oh my god! I, Chris, and I still do the voice at each other. We and we can't get it right. Like Al, that proves that Alan Tudyk is a genius. <laughs> because he keeps slipping in and out of like the Clayface voice and the and the girl's voice. Like, yeah, and, the, it, and even the voice for the girl is like this ridiculous. It just oh, every time I hear it, it makes me howl. So, yeah, so going forward, it's going to be, part of it's going to be Harley um, trying to reclaim parts of the city from the rest of these supervillains, uh, authorities, or somebody just found Bruce Wayne in the last episode I saw. So, not as mind-blowing to me as it was the first time when I watched the first season, which I, like, devoured when it aired, and I've, I've been dragging my heels on the second season, um, but it's... I still can't believe they get away with the shit they do. <laughs> the DC there was, was like... a couple moments, I think, after those those episodes that you're like, I um, you get lulled into a sense of like calm, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, but we're gonna do this now, and you're like, Jesus Christ! So yeah, look out for that. Uh, so yeah, Harley Quinn is uh, easily easily an eight. Definitely got to be in the mood for it though. Soup's violent. Oh man, no! I'm always, <laughs> I'm always in the mood for it. <laughs> Caitlin is always, Caitlin is always here for violence. We, we know I have an issue. Okay. <laughs> Harley bit the nose off the penguin. <laughs> Caitlin was like, "Woo!" <laughs> yeah. That's when she's in the ice block, going down the stairs and just exploding dudes into walls. <laughs> dudes are just exploding uh, like blood balloons as this giant block of ice crushes them as it slides down the stairs. Uh-huh. Whew. <laughs> what a, from po- from Poco's Udon World to exploding blood balloons. That's what you come to that's what you come to the geek down for, y'all. Yeah, so that's Harley Quinn. Uh well, watch it on Amazon, friends. <laughs> um so that is gonna just about do it for yeah. another fantastic episode of Opportune June. Um, what are we doing for next week? Is it, ho- is it, or is it ordering again? Is it? Well, I thought technically our first episode, we didn't actually order each other to watch those things. That true. was just what we were doing. True, true. This episode is what we wanted to watch. I figured 
Next episode would be something we have we tell each other to watch. And then fourth episode, we're going to uh, watch one of the August Watcharama things. Hmm? And then, like, to continue watching one of the August Watcharama things. Oh, she has made this decision without me, friends. I'm fine with it, but... I thought we, this is what we decided. <laughs> I don't believe we did, but I'm cool with it. Okay, and then the last one, which is the fifth week, because June is long this, this year, um, we're going to let the audience... Right. The that's what of the show choose. That's what it was because we had five episodes in June instead of four. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we'll be doing. And friends, when we uh, are when we decide what we're going to uh, ruin each other's lives with, I'll post that on on the socials, probably Twitter, Twitter. at GeekdownPod. Keep up to date on that. And uh, yeah, I think that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Geekdown Podcast. Friends, thank you so much for joining us and spending some time with us every week it certainly keeps us sane to make the show we hope it keeps you sane listening to it giving you a little respite from the from the ins and outs of the month that is tuesday and yeah we'll be back with you next week my name is jordan ferguson my name is caitlin mckinnon the theme song is by rob gasser and we hope that you will join us next week for another amazing opportune june episode of the show Click search a bit. Search Geek Down Pike. Come on.